Welcome to 7 Minutes in NYC, your seven-day-a-week NYC capsule cast where the coolest New Yorkers give you the real deal about the city that never sleeps in less time than it takes to butter your bagel. Hosted by Alex Mito of Superfine Art Fair. Hello, everybody, and welcome to 7 Minutes in New York City. My name is Alex Mito, and I'm here today with none other than Ryan Raftery. Ryan is the creator and star of the Anna Tour, Andy Cohen, Martha Stewart, Calvin Klein, and Ivanka Trump musicals. Welcome to the show, Ryan. Hey, thanks for having me, Alex. It's our pleasure. So we're glad to have you here with us. Ryan, you are a New York icon in the comedy and theater scene, but for our listeners out there who are new to that scene, let's dig a little deeper. So I have a question for you, Ryan. Do you love or hate Times Square and why? Well, it's, that's a great question. Well, I grew up in New York. I'm one of those rare um, natives. I grew up in Brooklyn and Times Square for me has always just meant Broadway. Like whenever I was young and whenever we would go with like on a class trip to go to see a show or um, whenever I would go with my family, Times Square was just always just something, um, you know, to be navigated, you know, just like it was like a way to get you got off the subway and then you walk to the theater. Um, Obviously, that has changed a lot in the last decade. Now, Times Square is just um, kind of like, you know, in Pac-Man, like when the ghosts get eaten up, they go back home to like regenerate. I think that's where tourists go to regenerate. (laughs) Like there's just all these, um, you know, seating plazas and the traffic has been redirected. It's kind of crazy, but I mean, it literally is, it's become a tourist attraction and understandably so. I mean, I guess it's good for the city in some roundabout kind of way, but like Fran Lebowitz says, like, you know, being caught, if you're a real New Yorker, being caught in Times Square is kind of like being caught in a gay bar in the 1950s. Like you start making excuses for why you're there, (laughs) you know, so, um, I, I understand that Times Square is a necessary kind of, um, you know, attraction in New York City. And it's and it and it is to people who are not from here, it is kind of impressive. Do you think the tourists actually get energy from those giant billboards? Like it's like electrical energy passing through to keep them going through the day? I mean, I, I suppose that I, I would not put anything past this world. I don't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if it's just constant, if Times Square is just some massive information collector that's going to screw us all in some way and so, or somehow. But again, if you've never been to New York before, if you stand in the middle of Times Square and you look around, it's very bright, it's very sparkly. And I guess it's very exciting. But like, if you are someone trying to circumnavigate, you know, the East and the West side and Midtown, it's just a huge headache. If you're a New Yorker. Absolutely. And the theater story resonates with me too, because it's always this thing I have to do to get to theater, which kind of makes it like, I don't know, like a nice, that, that's my nice association is like, if I'm going to theater, I'm going to see Times Square too. So it's right. not. Yeah. Uh, and, and all the advertisements of, of the Broadway advertisements that pop yep. up all over Times Square are great. It is synonymous with theater. And I think that it always will be. And I think that's a very good thing. Yeah, I agree. And that's a good seg into my first question for you, which is what inspired you to start developing your one-man shows? Um, Well, I had done a bunch of cabaret shows as myself. And I had done, I think, like five of them. And I just didn't have any more life experience to mine. And at the time, I had a day job working for Coach, you know, the people who make bags Mm -hmm. and stuff. Um, And I had a friend come by my desk and he's like, what are you going to do next? And I'm like, I don't have anything else to say. He goes, well, you're working in fashion, write a show about fashion, write a show about Anna Wintour. And it was really that easy. That's where I got the idea. And then I got lucky because around that time, um, Anna Wintour put Kim 
Kardashian and Kanye West on the cover of Vogue. And it was a huge, there was a huge uproar about that because, um, you know, people were saying, I can't believe Anna Wintour is putting number one, a man on the cover of Vogue, even though he's with his wife, but, um, and the, the wife is a reality star. Like, you know, this is really denigrating the value of Vogue, but, um, Anna Wintour in her, you know, sage kind of knowledge always thinks about the future. And she said, you know, the Vogue has to continue to adapt at the times. But since I'm a comedian, I knew I needed to find a comedic um, angle. And I thought to myself, you know, when everybody was saying, oh, Anna Wintour is over, Vogue sucks now, I thought to myself, like, you know, even Anna Wintour has got to have a boss. So what if I wrote a show about Anna Wintour getting a call at the top of the show that her boss wants to see her at five o'clock. And then the entire show is about her just ruminating about her life and, you know, anxious about this five o'clock meeting. And then the meeting is just about how he wants to congratulate her. You know, the sales, are, the, the sales are incredible. Once again, you did, you know, a brilliant job. And it's, I mean, it's, it, it's the show that I've performed more than any other show I've ever done. And even people who don't know about fashion tend to, um, really connect with the show. Cause it's just, you know, if, if you are going to just do what's obvious about a person you're playing, like every, all the people that I've ever done shows about are all extraordinarily famous people. And if I was just going to do what's obvious about them, I could just do a four minute like skit, like on Saturday night yeah. live and save everybody a bunch of time. But I always try to get to the humanity of the person. I love that. I think that's a really neat approach because, you know, again, like we see the like, you know, surface level thing a lot in comedy, but being able to really dive into some of these people that are literally just people, they just have these incredible, like larger than life personas, but you know, they're still flesh and blood. So being able to see that, you know, that inside of, of who, how they think and who they are is such a cool idea. And your next one is Andy Warhol, which is another mm -hmm. famous New Yorker. Are there any highlights you can share from that one? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, and it plays into what we're doing, what we're, you and I are doing right now. Um, Andy, my, my show is called The Trial of Andy Warhol, and he is on trial in the afterlife for creating influencer culture, social media, um, whether, and then, and obviously there will be a prosecution and a defense. So there will be, I, I first got the idea because it, it kind of, um, I was imagining what the world would be like without Andy Warhol, which obviously made me think about It's a Wonderful Life and how he sees what his life would be like had he never lived. So this is going to be a show that's going to examine um, in a comedic way what the world would be like had Andy Warhol never existed. Because whether or not you realize it or not, but um, Andy Warhol, you know, we, you can trace Instagram, TikTok, podcasting, memes, um, reality television, all of this we can trace directly back to Andy Warhol. And the more that I research him, the more that my antenna are up, the more I see his influence every single place I look. Andy Warhol traveled, uh, especially in the late 60s, he went everywhere with a tape recorder. And, and back then they were large. And he had mm -hmm. to carry them around the, with a mic, with a cord, and he would record people talking all the time. He carried a camera with him everywhere he went, like around his neck. And like, what do we do now every day? We walk around with um, essentially tape recorders and cameras in our pockets. It really is fascinating. Like the more you think how much more relevant he gets with every year since his death. So that's the real challenge in portraying him. And, and where will this be? Like where will we be able to see it? Do you know yet? Um, I'm hoping that it will be at the place where I've done all my shows for the last six years, Joe's Pub at the Public Theater. Oh, um, cool. We haven't booked any dates yet, but I would love to do it in January. 
Awesome. So guys, keep up with Ryan because we might be able to go see this show in January. I certainly hope so. I would love yeah. to go. Follow me on Instagram at Ryan Raftery. Ryan Raftery on Instagram. We're going to be right back to hear about Ryan's favorite NYC theater experience. But first, a quick message from our sponsors. Superfine Art Fair is the top art fair for connecting directly to the most exciting emerging artists in the world. And what's better, we're coming back to New York this fall with three consecutive in-person fairs from September 23rd to October 3rd. Learn more about how to apply as an artist at www.superfine.world. Limited quantity all-access passes go on sale on August 1st, so stay tuned to Superfine Art Fair on Instagram to get yours. So, Ryan, which Broadway show made you catch the theater bug? Do you remember it? I do. Yeah. I mean, probably the first one I ever saw was Les Mis. And I remember um, my mom had bought, I think I was maybe 12 and my mom had bought tickets for it, but I had had to have some sort of like emergency dental thing. I had to have a tooth pulled when I was 12 years old. And I remember being at a lot of pain and we had tickets to the show the next day. And my mother was like, well, we bought the tickets, so we're going. So to make a 12-year-old who was in like pain sit through a three and a half hour show that where pretty much everyone dies was a pretty memorable experience for me. But I remember like being transfixed by it because I think that with most people, especially most theater people, when the, the first Broadway show you ever see, like when the lights go down and the orchestra starts up, there's just something that's so very special about that moment that, I mean, I'll never forget it, but I do remember asking my mom, like, how long is this? Like it was, it was a really long show to put it, to make a kid sit through, but I loved it. But I mean, I'm just an, you know, I, I, I bore easily even, even now. So that, <laughs> I'm sure I had an even shorter attention span. I love it. And that is a long show, honestly. <laughs> <very long one. laughs> Ryan, that's an incredible story. Everybody, you can keep up with Ryan on Instagram and Twitter at Ryan Raftery. And definitely please do because that show will be coming up hopefully in January, hopefully at Joe's pub. Uh, Ryan, it has been such a pleasure having you with us today. I know our listeners enjoyed it as well. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Alex. You're very welcome. Everybody else, have an awesome rest of your day in a city that never sleeps. We've also enjoyed being here with you today. Listen in every day, seven days a week, for more of our conversations with the movers, shakers, and culture makers of the city that never sleeps. Follow us on Instagram at 7minutesNYC and be sure to post or story anytime you're listening. You can find us online at 7minutesin.nyc or 7minutesinnyc.com. We highly encourage you to get on our mailing list for all kinds of fun New York offers. We also send out the weekly schedule of guests every Sunday, so that can help as well. If you're enjoying the show, we'd also appreciate it if you could leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or on your preferred listening platform. That helps other listeners just like you find 7 Minutes in NYC and enjoy our guests' amazing stories. Until next time, New Yorkers and Globetrotters, get out there and make today count.